daughters, sisters, and wives. They're gonna change our lives. Big women, big girls. They'll make a better world. Invest in her. Now here's your host, Catherine Gray. Welcome to the Invest in Her podcast series, which is interviewing both founders and funders so we can address the problem of the underfunding of women and how we're going to solve that issue. And this is part of the She Angels Project, which is designed to help fund and mentor and also provide resources to female entrepreneurs. And today we have on an extraordinary female entrepreneur. Her name is Jenny Thompson. She is the founder of Safety Pin Technologies, which is a product that could help make the world a little safer place. Please welcome Jenny. Hi, Jenny, how are you? Hi, Catherine, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. I'm excited to have you on. Um, you were a finalist in our uh, She Angels project to fund women. And my She Angel investors think that you have an extraordinary product. Uh, they actually sent me a couple questions for you. Uh, but first, I want to talk a little bit about how this got started and what exactly the product is. I find it fascinating. And I think it's something that we really do need. Um, and I'm excited to tell the audience about it. Uh, but first, a little bit about you, because I, I know you're from Baltimore, Maryland, right? I am. I am. Which, yeah. Yeah. And which you probably don't know, I'm from the D.C. area. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So even though I'm here in L.A., uh, maybe 15 years, I was actually born in the D.C. area, grew up there. So we were neighbors. Uh, but so. unlike you, I moved away. And I know you still uh, were telling me you live near the hospital you were born in, which <laughs> unusual right i do i do my mom jokes that i could still walk to the hospital i was born in and how few people can do that except maybe new yorkers but um yeah i i've actually i grew up outside of new york and then went back to maryland to go to college and ended up hunkering down in baltimore for most of my life and now i split my time between new york and baltimore i'm i'm an Estella person basically i live on the northeast part of the train so yeah you know, my very first job, I actually had to drive to Baltimore to interview for. I worked for, uh, I was always in photography and video, and I uh, had applied for uh, to work at Olin Mills. And, um, I know. And, and, you know, I was like, I think I was like 17, and they were like, nobody gets hired for this job. You run the studio, you're the manager, you do everything at that age. But I, I got the job, and it wow. was a really fun summer uh, of working there. And it came out of Baltimore. Baltimore, even though it was where I lived in McLean, Virginia. But um, yeah, so uh, fond memories of Baltimore. Yeah. So of course, it's famous for hairspray, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. In er not just the musical, but actually the use of hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> Both, huh? Yeah. One of my exactly. favorite musicals. Yeah. yeah. So you got to tell me, uh, uh, we've got to talk about this uh, product because we yeah. like to feature amazing founders on here that are women that are looking for funding. And I know you've already gotten some substantial funding from both venture capital and uh, from friends and family, which is how most people start out. But you need more funding. And I believe uh, what your product is sounds 
fascinating and amazing. And I think our, our listeners are going to think so too. And, you know, I'm always encouraging more women to be uh, funders. Uh, I think uh, women identify with women. You don't want to always be sitting across from men doing your pitch. Uh, and I think your product, I think it specifically is something that women are specifically interested in, which is safety uh, through the internet. So let's talk about what your product is and how you came to, to the realization that you wanted to create this. And by the way, I don't want to forget to mention you have a super successful background in building companies from like 2 million to 70 million. And we're going to talk about that too. So you, you are not to be, you know, you are someone to be reckoned with. Like you are no nonsense going to make this happen. I can feel it. I always do tell people the red hair is a warning. It comes with quite a bit of tenacity. Um, so the company is Safety Pin, as you mentioned, and the main product uh, is it's a digital trust badge designed for the on-demand economy. And behind every Safety Pin, we conduct a broader, more comprehensive criminal background check we do an ID verification and a, and a broad financial screening because we really want to avoid people being scammed. And then we do a behavioral review that we developed with criminal profilers and clinical and forensic psychologists. And when somebody meets all of our criteria, they get a digital badge that they can place on any of their profiles to give people added peace of mind that they can be trusted. And you know, this started- is huge. There are so many scams out there right now. And there needs to be something in place exactly like what you're talking about. Um, and, and so is this something that, uh, in lay terms, that we could put on any type of profile? Could it be on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, your business, uh, all of the above? All of the above. So we created it specifically for cross-platform. One of the things I like to remind people, we have no idea if Uber and Lyft have the same requirement for their drivers before they let us get in the car. At the same time, you have people on these platforms, babysitters, dog walkers, who are competing with people who don't have trustworthy pasts and who, who are not trustworthy people. So what we've done is we've created something to offer greater peace of mind and to offer greater opportunity in a single step. It is something that can be shared anywhere. And we started the company. Um, I had a, a traumatic experience when I hired a pet sitter online and she had worked for me for about a month. Everything was fine. When I went away, I found out she didn't stay at my house at all. And at some point she took my dog somewhere else. And when I confronted her about it, she faked her own death. Oh my gosh. You know, you usually women create these products out of their own desire or need or something that's happened to them. And this is unbelievable. I can see why you decided you needed this. Yeah. And she was 19 years old. She didn't have a criminal background. And that's what led me to start doing the research into the behavioral component of it. And when we started building the behavioral component, I'm very candid about this. I thought the professionals I was working with would kind of tap me on the head and say, it's very cute that you think this can be accomplished, but it can't be accomplished the way you want to do it. And in fact, it was the exact opposite. They said, there's a lot of science behind this. We can craft something that will help us screen for the margins, is how we say it. We're certainly not diagnosing anybody. We're not accusing anybody. We're just choosing character traits 
that are common in people that would victimize other people and we're eliminating, we're screening for them so that we can eliminate those people from our process. You know, and I want to mention that you have like really key people on your um, advisory board uh, who are from the FBI, who have worked at the White House. I mean, you are no nonsense. You have gotten the right people on board because I could imagine people saying, well, do we have to worry about profiling people? And I think it's quite the opposite from what I've read from your prospectus is that um, it actually in this time of these movements like Black Lives Matter and uh, not profiling the LGBT community and all of these things, it actually helps eliminate profiling people by treating everyone the same as far as these uh, personality traits and and uh, the other things that you're measuring to come up with, uh, are they trustworthy? Exactly. And I'll, I want to adjust the advisory board as well as that question. Um, the former chief security officer of the White House, the FBI agent who captured Saddam Hussein, a federal investigator who works actively for the DOJ Department of Defense and Homeland Security, the former lead forensic psychologist from Leavenworth Maximum Security Prison, and one you may not know about, she's not allowed to officially join our board because of the restrictions of her university, but a woman who runs the psychopathy lab at one of the Ivy League schools. So we work with these people to create our products, our algorithm, our review process, and one of the things I like to share is I didn't know any of these people when I started the company. And when you think about a company like Theranos and a very impressive board, a lot of that comes from my parents are friends with these people and they'll support anything I do. I didn't know any of these people and I got them all involved and they not only raised their hand to, to become part of what we were building, but they raised their hand to use their name and likeness and, and be prominent about uh, and, and share their their profiles prominently because they believed in it so much. And that's probably one of the things I'm the proudest of, that people with this caliber of background have said, what you're doing is important and I want to be part of it. Um, I've always found that in our community that uh, the women tell me most of the time that the funding is great, but it's actually having smart, accomplished people believe in you that really give you the confidence to move forward. I, I think that's, that's true and that's been true my whole career. This is, has been a step up from any of that. And the profiling question is extremely important to me. I've always been a criminal justice advocate for years, long before all of the strife that we're seeing now. And one of the things I say to people is, look at me, I could be mainlining heroin on the steps of City Hall and I'm sleeping in my own bed tonight. And I think that the, the inequities in the justice system are clear. And it's one of the reasons that we don't just do a thumbs up or thumbs down based on a criminal background check. We look at the recency, the gravity, the frequency. We give everybody a free appeal before they, they um, have, before anybody's aware that they applied for a safety pin and, and didn't get one. Um, we want to look at mitigating circumstances. We want to create a system that's more fair. Race is not part of our algorithm. It's not a question that we ask. We are going strictly off data. And if anything, we also have data that we know comes in with more of a loaded profiling situation. And so we will kick something up to law enforcement and say, can you review this and see if you think it's something we should overlook based on everything else you're seeing and based on their behavioral score and based on how long it's been. So 
our goal really is to create more opportunity and our belief, we don't have the data on this yet, is that we'll be able to show that we can help neutralize unintentional biases, that when people are scrolling for a babysitter or a housekeeper or a dog walker or a tasker, and they see people that don't look like them or whose names they can't pronounce, but they have a safety pin, that they will stop and consider those people sooner. We have been able to show that babysitters on one platform that, that share a safety pin book more than twice as many jobs. So we would love to be able to bring that opportunity to more people in the gig economy. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Just like you said, if I'm gonna have someone stay at my house and take care of my dog, I would love to know that they have this thumbs up. Um, and, you know, I, don't, I know our investors said that it is a competitive market. I just want to give you some of their feedback. Yeah, of course. So uh, you might want to address what, I'm not really familiar with competitors in this space. Um, I feel like it's something very much needed, but you might want to address that. Absolutely. So when we look at the competitive landscape, I assume what they're talking about is the background check market. And there's a company called Checker that's very prominent there. There are other companies, Good Hire and Betty, and essentially they've all created different models of the background check industry. So somebody applies for a job, the company orders a background check on them, the company gets back the report and makes a decision, or in some cases, checker or the agency will make a decision for the company. Our model completely flips that. First of all, the individual is technically our client, no matter who's paying for it. So all of our communication is only with them. We don't share their background check with anybody else. We protect all of their data, all of their history, and we protect their reputation. There are a lot of false positives. There are a lot of other issues with background checks, and we don't feel that that's anyone's business. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we're entirely cross-platform. As I said before, we don't know if Uber and Lyft have the same standard or care.com and Sitter City. So if somebody says they pass a care.com background check, we don't really know what care's standard is for that. Right. We're using a single standard everywhere. We share There's with everybody so what we How many incidences that happen in Ubers and Lyfts? They say they do a background check, but you're right. How thorough is it? And, uh, you know, if you all were this industry standard, people would know, oh, they have a safety pin account. You know, it seems like you could team up with Uber, or Lyft, or these types of companies, uh, yeah. even Postmates, you know, uh, so that we would know it's a trusted uh, person based on not just criminal background, but in characteristics, uh, personality characteristics and stuff. I mean, let's face it, if somebody's a sociopath, they have certain characteristics, personality characteristics, right? And so, but I love that it's not based on, you know, male, female, or, or race, race, or anything like that, uh, because as we're on this journey to erase racism, uh, I love that your product um, is really helping with that, so that people aren't judged on uh, anything except this criteria of, are they safe to work with? And exactly, and again, we really, believe that we will be able to knock out some of those unintentional biases and give people more opportunity because the, the system is so broken right now. One of the things when you talk about how do we know if this person is safe, that, that is one of the most important things from, I want to stress. The current background check system is extremely broken. And we have something called the National Criminal Database. And if you go to most of these websites and you look at, you drill down, if you drill down on their trust and safety, you have to drill down three or four pages sometimes. 
and they'll tell you that they scan the national criminal database. That is the biggest misnomer. It's no fault of these, of these companies, but the national criminal database only gets 100% of data from 14 states and 17 states don't report anything at all. And then there wow. are 10 states that only that? one what county reports. of information. And importantly, New York is one of the states that reports nothing. So if somebody says they did a background check for somebody and you live in New York or they lived in New York um, and they did the National Criminal Database, there's zero data from the state of New York, Massachusetts, and 15 other states. And then again, 10 states are one county, and then the remaining states are county by county. So it's critical that you understand whether you ask for a safety pin or use us or not, it's critical that you understand what has actually been screened. I had a four message conversation with TaskRabbit saying, if somebody is in New York, are you running an individual New York team? And they couldn't give me the answer. Right. Well, you know, and, and just to uh, kind of explain to our, our viewers uh, or our listeners how they could participate in this, is it available yet? It is. Yeah, we've been live for a while. We have about 4,000 people who are screened and actively using their safety pins. And I we see have, here it's uh, getasafetypin.com, right? That is the website, yeah. Getasafetypin.com. Mm -hmm. Now, it needs to become more well-known and, and, and uh, you know, That's accepted. But I can see if you were applying for a job, how great it would be to have that. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, I know I've come across some kind of shyster people, even on something that you think is as credible as LinkedIn, that mm -hmm. would be great to see the safety pin mark. Uh, Facebook for sure, so that you know it's not um, someone that doesn't exist. I think, gosh, that could be revolutionary for Facebook. Um, so I think what you're doing is really cool for people looking for jobs, doing social media, uh, wanting to be hired for these independent contractor jobs. Amazing. Uh, I can't believe it doesn't exist to the extent that what you're doing it. Another question the investors had for you was, uh, what's your go-to-market strategy? We have a two-pronged strategy. We're currently working with early stage companies in the gig economy to either be their chosen screening partner or their chosen upgrade. So individuals can come on and they still go through the national criminal background check or whatever the, the platform plans, and then they can upgrade and add a safety pin to their profile. At the same time, we're doing a lot of outreach directly to individuals in the gig economy, primarily babysitters and nannies as our first vertical. Then we're planning to target home health care and elder care. And finally, home improvement, not finally, but of the first three, home improvement. I always, um, it's only half a joke. I watch a lot of Dateline that when you hire somebody into your home to do home improvement, you're inviting a stranger into your home with a box of weapons and really knowing how they've been screened at this level. One of the other things that we do is we don't just go beyond the national criminal database. We took the DOJ statistics for how far from home somebody commits a crime. We increased that 70% and we screen everybody in that radius. So we don't even stop at the county line. We're looking for a much broader area of anything that could come up in their criminal. And then because 40% of all crimes and 70% of sex crimes go unreported, that's the important part of the behavioral as well. We, we all have seen the headlines of powerful people who are likely committing criminal acts and have, have no criminal record. And you still wouldn't want your daughter babysitting at their house or to find out that you're renting their Airbnb. 
the, the, the behavioral is such an important part of that because it solves that gap or starts to fill in that gap of this person doesn't have a record, but are they really trustworthy? Yeah, I can definitely see how valuable it would be in hiring a babysitter, a dog sitter, uh, like you said, for home maintenance and all of these things in senior care. Um, and then, uh, obviously, bigger picture, I really see a demand for it in social media. We don't know who we're dealing with. I think it's huge. And uh, I hope to see you expand to that and that it becomes the norm. Uh, what I want to impress upon people is the only way for us to solve this uh, issue of women being underfunded since we get less than 10% of funding and men get more than 90% is that women really need to become investors. And that's really what our program is about is whether it's our She Angels Foundation or our She Angels TV show, it's about uh, women becoming investors, not both in philanthropy, but also as an actual investor where they can make money. And there's so many uh, now women investor groups out there. Uh, I know one that we work with, uh, OSEA in um, the OC, which is Zandra Laskowski. And she, um, she started one for women to uh, train women how to invest in other women. And the only way we're going to solve this problem is uh, having more women at the decision-making table that you're speaking to. Because it's more likely a woman is going to be, I think, drawn to the fact that um, they want safety uh, than men, even though uh, it would be great to have men get behind your product as well, of course, to be to be uh, protective of their daughters and wives and, right. and, and mothers and friends. Uh, but I do think uh, one of our messages is that we want more women to invest. And so whether uh, you're a man or a woman investor, we hope that you will visit uh, the website that Jenny just mentioned, which is getasafetypin.com. Getasafetypin.com, not only to uh, get your safety pin, but to learn more about it and, and decide if maybe you would like to invest in the company because um, I think you're onto something revolutionary here and it's very exciting. And that's the cool thing about angel investing is people get to get in on the ground floor of opportunities like this that are game changing and helping make the world a better, safer place. So I really applaud you for what you're doing here. I think it's very important and I think it's worth people taking a look at. Thank you so much. And I will just add of the below 10% of funding that women get, women leading tech companies get the lowest percentage. I, it's, wow. a, it's an extra, I thought it would be the opposite because people love technology, but actually that concept of women not understanding technology floats all the way to the top. So it, it has been a bigger challenge in that sense than anticipated. You know, and it's really our belief that, um, uh, you know, the Dalai Lama says uh, Western women are going to save the world and th they need to be I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have ideas and inventions that need to be funded. And so uh, we hope to spread that word and get more women investors and more uh, people investing in women. Uh, so uh, I just want to wrap up and say thank you yes. for being here. Thank uh, you so much I for having me. You bet. And um you know, I just want to remind our audience to invest in her and uh, know that women will and can uh, help make the world a better place. Thanks for tuning in and make it a great week.
Our theme music was created and produced by Lindsay Tomasic.